I'm Ryan Nidell, host of 15 Minutes of Freedom, your daily action guide to getting shit done. Today I have an incredibly special guest on the show, a man that is the founder of EmbraceTheLion.org, a man that has went through a complete change in his life from being part of well, I'll call it the clergy, the church. I'm going to fuck it up, so I'll just go ahead and bash that up front to, to then creating massive shifts in the lives of men and women across the globe. I have Cody Jefferson on. Cody, how are you today? Man, just blessed and highly favored. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> just, just ready to get into some deep dive shit right now. Let's go. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So Cody and I were in the same place at the same time. I don't know that we had a great in-depth conversation at this, but we were both at Colby K's Meltdown in the Desert in... June of this year, right? May, June? Yeah, out in Phoenix. Yeah, super hot, super fun, super enjoyable to meet with a lot of like-minded individuals, some really heavy, like especially now the bonds that we've created afterwards. We were just sharing Tommy Baker was on my show, and then Cody was on Tommy Baker's show, and Tommy Baker was there, and Tommy Baker and I are both part of Wake Up Warrior, and like there's been this this really weird thing where it's, it's like all these energetic forces are coming together, and it's super empowering to me. Like Cody is somebody, for you that's listening, that literally is – it sounds funny to say this, hell-bent on making a change in the world. Like, you have how many clients? I mean, I, I, clients is a bad term. How many people are you – like, your group is huge right now. Yeah, so it, it, yeah, just so we've got uh, just over 5,000 men uh, that I'm coaching on a weekly basis. And between men and women, uh, right around 11,000. Yeah, so just a small amount. Just only 11,000 people that are currently looking to Cody for a little bit of guidance. Yeah, it, it's it's been a it, as you know as you put yourself out there and you take your skill sets, you take the pain, you convert it into power, you help others do the same. You've got this podcast that has reached some astronomical heights in such a short amount of time. It can become a little euphoric, a little like wow, like step back and just massive amounts of gratitude. But yeah, man, I think like you step into like what it is that you're called to do. Uh, and I use that term very loosely, um, right? The shit that you want to do and that you're passionate about. And here we are, man, you know, of course. So I'll, I'll dispense with the nicer trees and get into some of the, the, the fun plug stuff on the front side, do it a little bit differently this way. If somebody wants to, once they listen to this episode and they find out like, man, Cody is literally the second coming of Jesus. And I'm going to keep bringing up this religious things all throughout this. And you'll understand why in a minute, <laughs> where do, yeah, where do they find you? Obviously I see embrace org. Is there somewhere else they can, you know, connect with you? Yeah. So Cody Jefferson uh, on Facebook. So you can friend me, you can follow me. Uh, Embrace the Lion is also on uh, Facebook as a business page. And then you can just Cody underscore Jefferson on Instagram. Connect with me there. Shoot me a message. If if you connected through this podcast, just let me know. Would love to hear more of your story and uh, you know how I can add value to your day. So yeah. yeah, Cody's one of the great guys that adds consistent daily value to his podcast or not only to his podcast, not to this podcast, but to everything he does. And I say that like, you know, as a listener, I used to own a custom clothing company. So Cody is a man that takes great pride in what he wears and how he presents himself to the outside world. So much so that like, he's the first guy I can remember literally, I think it was last week on Instagram. You're talking about, it doesn't matter if you have $5,000 for a custom suit or you only have a hundred bucks to go to Kohl's, spend the extra 75 bucks and get your stuff tailored. And you actually shout out the name of your tailor, right? Like on your Insta story. Yeah. Like, Man, I can remember being so green in this space. So coming out of like organizational leadership in the church world and traveling, speaking, doing a lot of things on a really big scale in the church and moving into this space. And it's the same but different. Like everything has its circle. So and everything turns into a big circle jerk in and of itself. Right. Mm -hmm. um, 
but I can remember being in this space. It's like, shit, man, everybody's got a Rolex. Everybody's rocking a Tom Ford suit. Everybody apparently has a Lamborghini and a Ferrari and like 12 mansions and like just bitches everywhere and like prop money that they're using for fun. And I'm over here like new to the space and man, what am I going to do? Right. And so now being further into it, obviously creating a, what I would call a healthy footprint as a, I would consider myself a noob in the sense that like, show me myself 20 years from now. Right. Like that's mm -hmm. what I'm chasing. But man, like how do you, like if confidence is one of the things that I push, right. Helping people convert their pain to power, helping people move forward in a culture that idolizes like this weird hot, I like real everyone's like self-perceived perfect bullshit. Like, Hey, how can I help you move forward? You can't spend 5,000 bucks on a suit nor like, should you at this point in your life, but you want some confidence. How about we do this? How about you go to your tailor and you spend 75 bucks and get that box grandpa suit cut up nice. And you're going to feel like a $5,000 suit. Nobody's going to tell the difference. And if I can plug my tailor who's here in Tulsa, and I know that I have a few thousand people that follow me and engage with me in Tulsa. And if I can bring her business because she's just a rock star at what she does, like I don't need anything for that. I don't want anything for that. Like, dude, why would I not use like the platform that I've built to like help other people, especially people who've gone all in. She's like an immigrant, right? Like she's, she's literally living the dream of, like, that she thought of as a kid. Why would I not push her and be like, dude, just go see her. She's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And where, where did she immigrate from? So, you know, again, with having that custom clothing company, like I have tailors all over the country that I use in different cities and all the best tailors all seem to be someone that's here, the first or second generation that came here on, like on that hope and a prayer that they're going to be able to figure this out. And like, they work their ass off. Like, so she's from Russia. Okay. Yeah. Phenomenal tailor. Oh yeah. She's phenomenal. She's like, I pulled in him for you. I'm like, okay, cool. Great. She's like, your last day of shit. I'm like, dude, I'm telling me something I don't know. This is why I'm here. Right. And so she's just super dry. Like <laughs> her, her humor's dry, which I appreciate. Yeah. And she just, I can take in anything now. Cause I'm usually taking in a couple suits a month mm -hmm. and if, if I get jeans, they have to be tailored cause I'm not a super tall guy. So everything's going to be cut a little long for me. And you know, it's those little differences, right? Like 20, $30 hem, like in terms of like taking something up, taking something in, that's going to make all the difference in my confidence and in the confidence of maybe some of your, your listeners. I just appreciate quality. Yeah. It doesn't have to cost it on the leg, right? right. When, you, when you're not there yet. Yeah, absolutely. And then you're touching base on something that's to me so critical is those small details, they give you that confidence. Like when you feel good, you do good. Like 100%. I think you said that like a hundred percent of the time in my life when I feel confident. I and mean, I don't care if I'm in the gym and I got an outfit on and I'm like, man, I just feel good today. Like my shoes are fresh. My shirt fits me the right way. It's not too tight or too loose. Like I'm comfortable. Like I feel like I'm literally performing better in the gym at that moment. I'm not even fucking performing anybody for anybody. It's just for me. Oh, a hundred percent, man. If, if I get like, if I, I've got the right pair of shoes on for me, it's typically Nikes, not a yeah. plug. It's just, they just fit me the best. Yep. Like, if I've got a muscle tank on, that's like the perfect size of medium, you know, it's, <laughs> It just fits well. Maybe it's been washed a few times. Like, it's a, it's a good feeling. Like, you just, I feel like I look stronger. Dude, lighting, like, all these different things matter. And For so, sure. even when we talk about, like, social brands or personal brands, like, making sure your lighting's correct, knowing your angles, all these different things, they come into play. They don't cost anything. It's just you understanding what brings about your most confident foot. And, Cody, do you find... So I, I struggle back and forth. I don't know if you feel the same way. So 
I preach this authentic vulnerability, like be who you are, own who you are. We've all got struggles. We're all trying to rise to the next level once we become aware that it's, it's possible. But when I, when it looks at social media, obviously I want to put my best foot forward because this is also marketing and branding for guys like you and I, like it's, it's part of it. Like, and so I show some shit, like I show an abscess scar on my thigh that, you know, it's not done with professional lighting. It's not the right angle. Like it's a big, ugly four inch scar that I very vividly depict having my leg lanced open and having all this infection tuck, you know, zapped out. Then the rest of the time, it's pretty nice professional photography. Obviously, I mean, I see your stuff as well. You have some killer content and some phenomenal photos. Like whoever your photographer is, is bomb. Like good, good photographer, good, good lighting, good angles. But it's this weird, not mixed message, but I get torn inside because there's the, the one side where I just want to snap photos with my, with my phone, which obviously InstaStory does that pretty well, like real time. But then the high filtered version is also a necessity for marketing. So it's like, it's this convoluted. How do you feel about that? Like there's this weird cognitive dissonance of like, am I who I really am on social media or am I creating a separate version on social media? Like, so we try to be like as open as we can. There's certain things that we protect, right? So we've got our family dynamic is interesting. So I like I'm married, but I have a son from a previous marriage. Kayla has two girls. Um, which are my girls, right? And so mm-hmm. her oldest, or I should say our oldest is nine. She's got cerebral palsy, Asperger's, severe seizure disorder, and also esophageal dysfunction. And so we share a lot of that journey. Like, hey, we're special needs parents. I know everybody thinks about like being an entrepreneur is like balling out bank and doing all these things, flying in jets and all this stuff. Great, awesome. Like we have a lot of fun as a family. But I also show you when we're in the ER. I also show you what it is to like, just be incredibly grateful for another day. Like, mm-hmm. why, why do I like having money in the bank? Well, because if insurance denies us and we have to pay out of pocket tens of thousands of dollars because our daughter had a six and a half hour seizure and flatline twice, which just happened this year. Like, I wanna be able to cover that, no problems. But that's not the highlight reel, right? Nobody wants right. to see the sad shit, but that's the real thing. Nobody, I just posted about like this big fight Kayla and I got in, like in the middle of a photo shoot. Like it's a picture of us fighting. Like our photographer was like, well, you want real, like here's real. And it's because nobody talks about like the real reality of like day-to-day life in a blended family and let alone trying to run businesses. Like tell me who gets along 24 seven. So for us to portray that like we're always like sunshine and roses and like there's nothing ever going on in our lives would just be incredibly detrimental to the integrity of who we are and what we're trying to represent because now everything that I'm trying to teach you and coach you in feels unattainable. Yeah, but your life is perfect. No, it's not mm-hmm. um, at all. But it's, it's the best life that we can co-create together. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of that co-creation side of things, Cody, if I recall, our buddy Brandon James Duncan just married you not that long ago, right? Like you just, you're recently married or he, he didn't marry you. He was there. So we got married uh, back in July. And so he didn't do the officiating of the ceremony. We had a guy in Vegas do that, but he gave away Kayla. To me. There it is. So he is who walked Kayla down the aisle. Yeah. So Brandon is how I got involved with Colby's uh, meltdown in the desert a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. He invited me. I didn't know anyone in the space. I legitimately had no idea who anyone was, uh, but went because he invited me to say, dude, this is going to be really good for you. And so much of who I am, I just literally talked to Brandon last night. Um, 
when we talk about just honoring people, like I, if there's someone in my life that over the past few years, like if I could pinpoint to like a, a lighthouse in my life, um, it would be Brandon. Yeah. How did, how did he come into your space? What, what brought him into your world or how did he come in? Yeah. So it's a super random story. Uh, I was looking at some pushing into some like ad spend mm -hmm. and I didn't know how to do it. And like, there's a million things on YouTube, but I saw this, uh, this ad for a guy who was running like these performance based ads. And so I set up a call and Brandon called me because he was helping kind of refine some things within the internal structure of the company. Mm -hmm. and so he was getting on and seeing like kind of who some prospects were, I think. And so we got to talking and it ended up like not being anything about the sales call, right? Like it just didn't even matter. We just ended up connecting on this very, very deep level. We talked, he had a little brother named Cody who passed and uh, there was just so much like deep, deep, like soul level connection on a, phone call happenstance through a Facebook ad that we connected. We friended each other on Facebook, um, stayed really connected and the rest is history. He's legitimately my brother now. Like yeah. I, I could not imagine life with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's so powerful. And if, if I recall from our conversation, Obviously, Brandon has Thrive, which is a phenomenal greens product. But uh, rare, you have Thrive. Uh, rare products. Yeah. 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 So, how, how you're you're a minority, or you're a partner in the company? So yeah, I'm what you call like a minority partner in the company, and also in another company that I, I won't talk about now, but that is going to be launching in the future with Brandon. Um, yeah, man, it's like I believed in so much in him and in the vision for the company that yeah, dude, I, I bought in and. Um, I'm excited to see where it goes. We were actually literally just talking about it last night about some different marketing strategies and campaigns to push the brand forward in a more consistent way. And um, it's fun when you get to do cool shit with cool people, right? Like that's the whole name of the game. Yeah. So many people think, oh yeah, well that's easy for you. Oh, oh yeah, okay, well sure. Like this is one of those stories on Instagram or Facebook. I'm like, listen, motherfucker. Like I left a job after 12 years of being in it, just because I couldn't do it anymore. Like I just didn't believe it, I couldn't do it. Walked away from everything, no money, but I did. what I did have was mortgage, child support, and all that fun shit that goes along with it. And I took my last, like my last few thousand dollars, like drained my 403B, which is kind of like a 401K. And dude, I hired a coach, I hired Brandon. Yeah. And here we are now, right? And so to say, well, it's easy for you not. Like I didn't know. I knew the like I knew what I was supposed to do. I knew how people. I knew what I was supposed to create, but I just didn't know how to connect the dots in like a fast enough manner because uh, I, I left. I left ministry. I walked. I walked away from the, the position I had had, and mm -hmm. not because of any like crazy fallout with the church or anything. Um, I just could just didn't want to. Just couldn't do it anymore. So it wasn't my thing. Yeah. How long ago was that, Cody? Two, a little over two years ago. Wow. So in two years, you went from draining your bank account, last last dollars, hiring Brandon as a coach, to now full circle, obviously, being impactful in at least a current number of 11,000 people's lives, plus having the financial stability to invest and become partners in his company. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and doing some other cool stuff as well. It's 
it's all possible, man. Like it's, it's all possible. And through that, like, so let's talk about like, let's just wrap on this for a second, because I want your listeners to hear not to tout my own story, but just you need to understand something. So for 12 years, I walked alongside people in the darkest seasons of their lives. Like, so let's just cover what, let's cover what that is real quick, Cody. So I won't keep the listeners in the dark anymore. That 12 years you were in ministry, right? I was pastor. Yeah. yeah. So I was a youth pastor, a worship pastor, a community pastor, a developmental pastor. I traveled the country. I spoke, I led worship. I played electric guitar. Like I did a bunch of different things. Um, on some really, really big stages, on some really small stages in the local church context. Um, yeah, man, like I was ruthlessly committed to, to people and just, just serving people. Um, did a lot with the homeless community in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. That was just, and that was my jam, dude. Like that's, that's what I did. Um, it was just three, well, no, it was two, a little over two years ago that I left the church, but a year before that, I went through a divorce, so um, separated. Three weeks after that, my 18-month-old niece was murdered. She was, she was raped to death, 18 months old. Yeah, and then after that, lost two family members. Her mother, uh, my, my niece's mother, lost her life. Um, my mentor of 15 years died in a horrific motorcycle accident on my, uh, gosh, just on my 33rd birthday, right? So I'm 30, I'm almost 35 now. On my 33rd mm-hmm. birthday, I buried my best friend of 17 years um, after, you know, he had, he had passed and uh, led his funeral. So, and I'm leading all these funerals, like I'm leading my niece's funeral, I'm leading everyone because I'm the pastor. And so as a result of that, obviously the stress of like trying to manage everyone else's pain while trying to mitigate my own and minimize it so I can show up for everyone. I got very, very sick. Uh, I went through thyroid scramble, adrenal failure, and hormonal shutdown. I'm a septic, 106 fever, unconscious for three days, brought my family in, you're gonna die. And I'm like, nah, bitch, I'm not. Woke up. And it was at that point, I'm like, all right, I can't, like, I'm out. Like, I just cannot do this anymore. I can't not show up for myself. So I took a backseat from public ministry and worked behind the scenes. Yeah, which I, I love doing as much as I love being in front of people. Um, and after about six months of that, I was like, okay, I just spiritually, I'm not here anymore. And so that's not going to be useful for this community. Uh, this isn't what I'm called to. Like I had been looking for something to push me through where I was, especially like walking through that faith transition. And there was nothing, which is where Embrace the Lion was born out of, right? Um, but yeah, man, like just a really, really crazy season. And a lot of that thyroid hormonal bullshit was stress. And the fact that for probably the past five years previous to that, which is three years ago, I was walking around with a test level of like they thought was probably around 150, but then it dropped to about 40, um, which I should have died, right? So that's the, but the reason being, because in my 20s, what did we all do? Because it was legal. We all just ate pro-hormones like they were candy, never cycled them. No, it's just a sublingual thing you put under your tongue. That's not a big deal. Yeah. And then became outlawed. And so then you stop and you lose a lot of weight and not realizing like you just shot your test levels down the drain. And uh, yeah, it didn't rebound. Man, is that wild. I, I can't believe I can because if I like putting together the pieces of the people that I think are the most impactful, the, the ones that are truly called to help other people in some capacity. 
it almost always seems as seasons of pain, like true monumental pain seems to push a certain handful of people like to the forefront of leading other men or women out of their own pits of, uh, you know, problems. Totally. And, and you can't talk about it. Like I talk about all of this right now in this conversation because I think it's useful, mm-hmm. but this is not something that you would just lead up into in conversation. You might take bits and pieces, but it's, it's too much for most people to absorb at one time. It becomes unrelatable, right? Like, whoa, that's not me. Like I can relate to a couple of these things. That's too much. Like I recognize that the season I went through was a lot like quantifiably that's a lot of trauma and i went through a lot of counseling as a result of it Mm -hmm. because it was it was a ton of emotional trauma of losing that many people the the physical changes but i share bits and pieces of it because pain trauma it's all relative right like and i think we all rise to the level of the pain that we can handle and then hopefully like again the hope filled like is that we can turn that into some sort of power or leverage and moving forward and helping others or we just become victim to it and we become victim to our experiences and to our pain and that becomes a crutch for us to stay small to blame certain endeavors circumstances things that have happened to us through us bias for us that like this is why i play small this is why i do this it's easy for you not for me and i'm just here to be like no nah, that's some bullshit actually yeah yeah, man, Cody, this this is this is good stuff here. So, I got only because you brought up the the religious part of your life. Like I've went through this whole. Uh, Lord knows I wasn't nearly as as religiously involved as you were. I mean, I think that's a, a almost a, a a given. But I'll say it just to state it. But I grew up in a Baptist household where you know going to church every Sunday, going to Bible study on Wednesdays, like that was the story of my life. Like that was just what it was. Yeah, bro. And then as I become more, I guess, open to different possibilities. And started questioning some of the normal, what I'll call social confines, some of the things that limit us, at least limited me. I started just finding organized religion to be a really tough pill to swallow. Like I couldn't put together the pieces anymore. Like just because like you start looking at 12 different religions and they're all fighting one another based off of they think that their version's the best version. But when you take multiple steps back, every version's somehow intertwined or all the same. And like, I'm like, this is just bullshit. Like at some point, sure, I believe there's something, somebody, some force that created life, created us. Like I, I don't believe in, you know, the Big Bang and magically we appeared. Sure. But everything else, I've just had a super tough time getting my head wrapped around of like, as you were saying, you know, you had your sacrament on and something that you were, you know, posted on Instagram and that you were waiting to, you know, kiss the ring of the guy that was next up on the totem pole so he could bless you at the fact of, okay, now you can sit somewhere on the stage versus below the stage. And like, explain that to, to me, to us. How does that shit actually work? And what do you view, how do you view religion now? Yeah, so that's a, a great, great question, a great segue. And just to preface this, right? So I'm not right. And I, I want I want the viewers to understand, I don't think that I'm right any more than I think you're right. I think my truth is my own, just as I think your truth is your own. And I'll go into that a little bit deeper. But yeah, man, so I, I grew up in the Baptist church, fell out of the church for a while. You know, I liked, liked girls and, you know, drinking and chewing and smoking. So they didn't have me for a while. Uh, and then I got involved in the charismatic non-denominational church, and that was fun. And then got involved in the United Methodist Church and in the like Conference of Oklahoma. That was really cool. 
and then got involved in a smaller commune, uh, like a, a smaller church that was uh, part of like a convergent church, right? So they they adapted the sacraments of like say the Catholic Church, the uh, and the charismatic church, like the evangelical stream. So they're merging all these streams together. So what you have is like more contemporary, thoughtful music, but with the sacraments of communion and ro vestments and robes and things of that nature. And so I've run the gamut. Like you, if there's like a stream within the organized church, like I've been in it. And everybody has their little ways in which they think they're right. And I get that, right? Um, for me, as I, I studied faith academically, or not faith, I studied religion academically, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I pushed deeper into spiritual truth and what was relative to me. And as I look at, and I explored different faiths, I explored the Bible from, you know, to Greek, Hebrew, like I'm breaking it down, I'm looking, and I'm, I was fortunate enough to study under some of the most brilliant scholars, and which you would think would just reaffirm my faith, but what it did for me is push into saying, you know what, like this is all under like the pretense and the presupposition that we think we're right. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was like, dude, I just, I have Buddhist friends, I have agnostic friends, I have all these friends, and like, I, I don't think I'm any more right than they are. I think that that serves them, and I think that that's okay. And I think that this has served me, but now it's not serving me so much in the sense that I don't feel like I necessarily need to be saved from anything. And I don't necessarily think that I was born into some like sinful nature. I don't think I'm actually a bad human being outside of some deity who comes and like cosmically saves me. I think I'm good. And I think that whatever created us is good with me because they created me knowing full well like the bullshit that I was going to pull. Mm -hmm. Right? So I pushed into this space of okay, we have a belief, and a belief is nothing more than a thought and a feeling, right? And a lot of this we absorb from childhood, a lot of this we absorb from our experiences and from the ways in which not only we were raised, but socially, like the cultural climate through which we were raised, we adapt, we, we push into different experiences, and that all of that, subjectively and objectively, becomes whatever our relative truth is. Again, just the thoughts and beliefs that we hold captive, right? That's, that's truth. And so what I started to realize for myself was, okay, the more and more I hold these thoughts and these feelings tighter and tighter and tighter in a fist, like, well, we use that fist as a weapon, mm -hmm. right? To defend, to prove, to protect. When I realized that for myself, man, I don't really have anything to prove anymore. I don't have anything to protect anymore. And I, I damn sure don't have anything to hide well, now, like, that hand is open, and it's free to shake the hand of other people. And so now, there's not this table that if you don't say the right thing, right, the right incantation and the right affirmation and the right prayer that you can't sit at this table. No, actually, this table's as big as you fucking want it to be, and anybody can sit at it. Like, you're going to be welcome regardless. I don't care what you believe. If you're, like, devout, like, Christian, cool. Catholic, cool. Jewish, cool. Buddhist, cool. Muslim, cool. Agnostic, cool. New Age spirituality, where you dangle crystals around your head and like do weird shit with like sage and stuff. Cool, got a lot of friends who do that. They're woo as hell. I love them. Like mm -hmm. everything is useful to somebody, right? And I think if we could get past the fact that we need to be right and prove that, like a like again, dude, the book says it's true. The Bible says it's true. Only because you believe it's true. Again, it's a belief that you have a presupposition, which is what we call a worldview. Now I'm getting into some, you know, 
Theology 101. I love this stuff. You Keep have going. a worldview that presupposes that this particular theology, this particular hermeneutic, which is how you view scripture, is the baseline of truth. Okay. Right? Like I, and I'll have people all day long when I post something about expansive spirituality or just not being right, like try to like biblically proof text me. I'm like, motherfucker, dude, like I did this shit for a living. Like you're not gonna like throw a scripture at me out of context mm -hmm. and like win because there's nothing to win. And I, and I'll say like, they'll do like people post this. I get it, dude. I used to do the same thing. It's out of love. It's out of protection. It's out of, I feel like I have to defend this thing. Like God doesn't need your defense or, or your God's pretty small. Right. Yeah. And so, and I'll clap back to it. Like they'll post and I'll say, you know what? I, I get why you're doing this. And I actually appreciate it. I appreciate that you value your faith enough to respond in this way. I want you to understand the context of what it is you're posting. I want you to understand the context of the book that you're posting out of and why it was written, who it was written for, right? Like, let me, like, let me help you understand a little more so that we can take this and put this in context because it really has nothing to do with what you're trying to tell me. What you're trying to tell me is that I'm wrong and you're right. Mm -hmm. But so long as I don't think I'm right, you're fighting a battle that's pointless and useless. You're just frustrating yourself, not me. And so a lot of the work that I do, oddly enough, is helping give permission to people who feel like they need permission to say, I, I actually don't know. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, Cody, along that vein, what is your thought on who has, like, sure, okay, God, Bible, Jesus, passed down. But at some point, there's a division because, you know, Judaism's reading their own version of the good book and, you know, the Hindus have their version and Christians have, their, like, not what's right and wrong. Because, again, it, what's crazy is you and I haven't had any of these conversations before. Like, I truly don't believe right and wrong exists. I believe what serves you and what doesn't serve you is all that matters. Yeah, so what's useful and what's not useful, right? Like, yeah, but and and that's this this damnedest thing where the de most devote people like ours has to be the right way, and you start backtracking backwards and just ask them the questions like I'm asking you, like, okay, who wrote the Bible, and then how many hands did it have to pass through to get to your hand right now, and how much is excluded? Like, let's play the telephone game. Let's just let's get you, Brandon, myself, you know, Colby. Let's get twelve of us together and play the telephone game and see how different the version is at the end of the. 12 of us that know each other, let alone, you know, thousands and thousands of years of passing down, you know, a, a, a book of scripture, we'll call it. And again, I, I still think that's a little unique to call it that with the way that I view religion. But, you know, you're, you're, you're passing this down from generation to generation and translation to translation and certain things are being omitted. Like, look at the Catholic Church and all the stuff that they apparently have locked up in, you know. You can look at that. You can look at the you know, Gnostic Gospels, those that were left out of the canon of Scripture. You can look at the Apocrypha. You can look at a lot of different ways in which, uh, you know, the King James Version versus the, you know, NRSV versus the Message versus the New Living Translation. And, like, dude, I've got all of these translations. I I'm looking at a, a bookcase behind me of roughly 350 theology textbooks and Bibles and literary translations and interpretations. And at some point you look at that and then you look at yourself and you look at the ways in which 
Like you've got some shit wrong in your life and you got to think, okay, but how many of you put a period where there should have been a comma, a comma where there should have been a period. Maybe there should have been a question mark. Maybe this shouldn't have been in quotations. Right. And Mm -hmm. what was left out? What should have been left out? What wasn't left out? Right. When the, when these like church fathers got together and put together what we call or what Christians would call like the sacred text or the biblical canon, like why did we decide what went in and what went out, right? Was it based on the number of, of scrolls that were found, the number of copies that were found and what geographical locations they were found and dating on what time frame? because this didn't get really canonized till like what third century. So you've got like two and a half centuries of just oral, you know, dictation of the scripture and then some that are, are, are not even scripture right just of stories and then we finally put them to paper so i'm not here to negate the relative truth of someone's spiritual presupposition right mm-hmm. if scripture is true to you and literal to you there was a literal flood the earth is literally built and creation was built in a literal six days and like that's your jam cool like, I don't know why if you're a man, you have short hair. I don't know why if you're a woman, you have earrings, you know, because again, people want to come at me for having tattoos based on Leviticus, I believe 19, well, that same chapter talks about cut the sides of your hair, talks about, you know, not putting marks on your body, talks about not, you know, cutting yourself, which is basically what an earring is. So we got to really be careful with what we pick and choose to be relative truth to us. And I'm not here to say like, hey man, get more tattoos. Um, I mean, I'm always saying that. Yeah, so that's not true even a little bit. Like you listening right now, you can't see that like Cody's neck has tattoos all over his hands. Like you'll see it on the YouTube channel on social media, but they're basically from at least the waist up. I haven't seen waist down yet. There's tattoos everywhere. We just met each other, so. like We'll we'll get there. If everything goes the right way and I sweeten you up, I'm expecting a a good gift. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, my, my, my calves, my thighs, I've got tattoos everywhere, man. So, um, but it just kind of breaks down. It broke down for me. Like I understand faith is belief without, you know, without seeing. Mm-hmm. And I, I have faith that when I breathe in, dude, it's going to be oxygen, right? Like I do have faith in things, but there were certain ways in which this presented itself after studying it and leading it for 12 years. I just, I don't believe some of it. It's just that I don't believe that I'm right about it. And I don't like have a stake that I'm going to put in the ground and say, this is truth. Because I feel like that's so arrogant to say. Yeah. Somebody who has been raised under a completely different right, spiritual experience or theological pretense or a very, very different worldview into how creation happened and whatever that looked like, right? And whatever religious upbringing they had, like for me to say, yeah, but I'm right. That's like, like saying Cowboys is the greatest team alive. Yeah. Says people in Texas. Right, like, <laughs> right, like. So I just say that because we're in the football season. And- of course, no. So, how deep down this hole on I'll call it the rabbit hole. Like, and I look at the pyramids, and I look at energy centers. Like, I know you spoke to to Tommy Baker, and I I know that it's, a lot of this stuff can't sound all that foreign to you. So I always butcher the name, but whether it's an Anunnaki or whatever it is of, of some other life form that has been here. Like, what's your stance on that? Like, I'm super intrigued by Peru and the pyramids and the fact of right now, if you and I and a couple thousand other guys decide we want to build pyramids in the middle of freaking Oklahoma, we couldn't do it together. Like, it's, like it's just not possible. Well, and I think that there, I mean, even outside of, I think there's so many complexities within 
not only things that have been created, but the things that are not created just within the power of thought and process and imagination. Like, I think there's so much that we don't know that we're incredibly arrogant about assuming. Mm -hmm. Because again, it fits a pretense of how we were raised or, well, no, like pyramids, all these things. I mean, obviously like, Egypt, you remember Pharaoh, and you remember the biblical story, and let my people go. And it's like, yeah, but like, have you seen them? Like, have you seen these blocks? Have like, have you actually surveyed the landscape? Have, like, where did they come from? How did this happen? Like, how long would this have taken? There's so much to not only that, but even just human condition, even in and of itself, that begs the questions that we are so afraid to ask because it challenges everything that we perceptively believe to be true. Yeah. Yeah, ab absolutely. What a what a great way to answer the question without offending anybody. I I fucking, I fucking love it. I've done you're, this for 15 years now. Yeah, you're a master at <laughs> this. It, it's awesome. Well, because you know why it doesn't offend because I'm not interested in being right. Right. Of course. Like I don't I don't have a stance that I have to like like, I don't have a place where I have to stand and say, this is my square. Don't you fucking come in my square because this is true. Mm -hmm. like, again, I'm really big into the like, well, what if, right? Like, what does this mean? And like, what could it mean? What's the, what's the possibility? Yeah. And are we open to that possibility? Are we open to that potential? Even within ourselves, man, like, let's get really, really practical to the thing. Like, we don't even want to think about like what the pyramids could be because we're so afraid of what we could fucking be. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I don't, I, I can't even think about that because I'm so busy keeping myself small that I can't even try to keep anything. So it, it's, it breaks down really quick. Yeah. And I've, I've found like, especially as we're, you and I are rocking on this right now, like as I'm going through my metaphysics study and quantum physics and all that stuff, like really diving into Okay, let's assume the fact, I don't care, just like you said, I don't care what religion you follow and you say it's, it's the best. Like, run with it. Cool. I, I believe you. But if we really start to look at that God created all of us, whatever you have viewed God to be, sure. then God would then, in theory, have to be connected to all of us. So all of us then would be equal in some capacity, which means we would all have limitless possibility because he had limitless possibility. Right. Like, and it, so all these things start to break down for me as we dive into all those self-defeating talk, all the things that parents, society, TV, name something is impressed upon us that we can't do X or we shouldn't do Y. Or like it's all bullshit. Through, through Christ, all things are possible or that you were born in sinful nature, that you need these certain things because inherently you're bad and yeah. you lack and you are human in nature. So I, I take a very Goddard approach to this. So I, if you're familiar with Neville Goddard in the sense of like a Christ consciousness that that before before jesus knew he was a man he just knew he was right so yeah. consciousness supersedes right like our physical presence which would be like the father and the son and so for me when i try to explain my stance on like if i were to believe in some sort of christian ideology it would be in that of like a christ consciousness that i am mm -hmm. i am that i am yeah that People ask me, well, do you pray? I don't. Well, why? Well, because if I believe this scripture to be true, then everything that is in Christ is in me. And so 
it's really up to me to make the action. It's really up to me. If everything under the, you know, heavens and the earth have been created, it's up to me to manifest. And it's up to me to create new paradigms of realities and to shift those around. And that sounds really woo to people, but it's like, well, no, that's what, I mean, what faith of a mustard seed move a mountain, right? So how is what I'm saying any more weird than what you read and interpret to be true, but you don't believe it for yourself because you've been told your entire life to play small and that you need a certain way in which to pray and you need a certain way in which to believe and you need a certain way in which you have to come to church and put your money in the bucket and you have to say the certain prayer and you have to go down front. Why? Because it keeps you playing small. It keeps you in a state of feeling like you need this thing. You constantly need this thing. So you constantly put money in the 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 offering plate because that's what they need to keep you coming. So I'm going to give you just enough leverage and just enough, uh, enough leash, but not so much that you leave and think you can do this shit on your own. You can't when it all in sense, like in, in all actuality, Christ said, no, actually you, you can, because I'm sending the one, the Holy spirit. Again, if we're taking a presupposition of Christian theology, mm-hmm. who is going to do far greater things in you than through me. But you need to go to church every Sunday. You need to post how fucking happy your life is on Instagram and Facebook. You need to tag your church. You need to make sure you're tithing 10%, right? And let, let's not get into the actual theological implications of what tithing actually was. No, no, no. Right now it's money, even mm-hmm. though it wasn't money. Let's, let's just keep it to money because that's a nice round figure that we can all agree to, mm-hmm. right? I digress. No, like this is, <laughs> you're the first guy, Cody, that I've been able to just rock with this stuff because most of the guys, and, and again, I don't want to, I don't believe any absolute truth in any part of my life. Like I'm always seeking, seeking new answers and for expansion, Sure. but even most guests I have on, like it gets super out there to really start to have these conversations with most people that I don't like the whole like woke or awoken thing, like fuck all that. It's, it's more of a thing of just considering other possibilities. Like, yeah, man, because Christian, like I can still speak of Christianity and they've, like, it has a lot of meaning to me, right? Like, they're, they're, I wouldn't say I don't believe in God. I do believe in God. I just don't call myself a Christian. I follow the teachings of Jesus more mm-hmm. closely than I ever did in the church. Why? Well, because I believe in their usefulness, not as a way in which to keep me small, but a way in which to bring about my own Christhood and Christ likeness, which I believe is what it means to be born again, which is just to rise above thought process and to rise above the own ego to transcend that above, which is why we meditate, right? Yeah. To rise above the, the ego, the, all of the ways in which we've been programmed to believe and think and feel and to rise above that to just exist in gratitude and appreciation and love and in breath, right? It's monks who say that the only thing we bring into this life and take away is our breath. So just recognize that. I think that is what it is to be born again, just this radical appreciation that we are, right? Like before we were born, before, you know, you were Ryan, before I was Cody, before any of this, like we, like I am, we were, we are, we will be. And so to recognize that, to make that kind of a spiritual connection, not only with ourselves but with all of creation, you now understand like, there is no fight. There is no arrogance. There is no pride. There is nothing to prove, protect, to hide, right? There's, there is only this massive appreciation and gratitude for just being alive. I've got to, like, everybody's so worried about everything and being right and proving something and, and making sure that they check all the boxes off so that they get to this place by and by, right? Meanwhile, not experiencing, like, the presence and the power of, like, the now moment because they're so fixated on a by and by that they've, like, predetermined is true in their in their future 
Meanwhile, not realizing your future is just a collected amount of today's. You don't know what happens after you die. No one does. Like, I know there's a lot of kids who've written books on it, right? and I know there's a lot of people who've written books on what happens in 90 minutes and all these things, but nobody really knows. No, and, and man, Cody, this is, this is wild. Like, this is by far my favorite interview ever. Like, hands down, up to this point, not saying it because you're on here right now, it's just like, all right, you're saying everything that I've been beating my drum on for the past 150 plus episodes of like, there is no yesterday, we can't visit it, there is no tomorrow, I've never seen it before, there's only the current moment right now. And when I started finally opening my eyes to the fact that, like, if I'm just truly grateful for everything, like, honestly, not just saying like, I'm grateful you're on the show, like, sincerely grateful for the moment, the time, the energy, the effort it took for you and I to connect and be here in this moment and share this energy, like my life started getting way fucking better exponentially and quickly. Absolutely. And then, like touching base on meditation. Like I was somebody that thought for years meditation was something the monks did that like they're humming and their fingers are like this and their legs are crossed and their shaved heads and maroon robes. I'm like, fuck that. That's only what like, I, I can't do that stuff. And as I started just quieting down my mind and realizing that I needed my own alone time and eventually turning into meditation, like those gifts of, messaging, intuition, God, don't care what you call it. But all of a sudden, all these paths start opening up where it's just like, okay, you wanted to go right, but motherfucker, you got to go left. Like yeah. you don't really have a choice. You you think you do and you can keep going right. But eventually that door is going to smack you in the face no matter what you do. And you're going to have to go left. Well, like, and even the, the presupposition of you stating like meditation is this thing and it's these people Right, like it's it's monks who have a shaved head who wear brown robes and live in a monastery, and <clears throat> they just say Om all day, and all they do is try to transcend any type of like reality. That's not me. I can't do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, one, who painted that picture of reality for you, and who said it was true? Two, who said you couldn't do those things? And when did you plant that seed and allow that tree of belief to take root and to grow? Right, so we have to survey all the things in which we say, I'm not this, I can't be this, I can't do that. Somewhere along the way, that seed, either you planted it or you allowed someone to plant it. So if you think of your consciousness as, a, as this dense forest, right? And we have thoughts, countless thoughts throughout the day, right? Which is our, again, our perceptive reality trying to keep us safe from any type of perceived threat. Right, So that's why we play small. That's why we don't love again. That's why we say things about people. That's why we make justifications and we make assumptions and we blame and we stay victimized because it is our ego's way of protecting us. It is, it is the, you know, our, our, our subconscious, right? Keeping us safe perceptively. But what happens when you start to look at that forest and you say, you know what? I don't find that tree useful. Can I uproot it? And what, what you're telling me in your own experience through meditation and even my own experience, because I always assumed it was Eastern religion, which was again against what it is that I believed. Mm -hmm. Well, no, now we can uproot those trees and plant new seeds and we can create a new forest of, of expansiveness, of, of possibility, of hope, of of true what we would call resurrection. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. And what I found over and over again, especially as I've started to, to work with clients and, and help people or you know, just ask more questions, I've got this theory, and I'm interested to see if you, you'll back me up on this, and if not, fucking hit me between the eyes with it. It seems like 
every person that I've come across, somewhere between the ages of 4 and 12 to 14, during those crucial developmental years, there's been a trauma that's existed in their lives that has set the groundwork for how their mental foliage is going to appear. And it doesn't have to be, like I always say, say the example, like for me, my dad beat the shit out of me. He, he drank, like he did some things. And I understand now conceptually why it happened. And it wasn't nearly as bad as I made it out to be, but that formed my adulthood of being anti-confrontation and running from tough conversations. And until I started to go back and heal that boy and really like put my arm around the boy as the, the man I am today and go back and like not comfort him, but say it's going to be okay and help him unwind and replant some of these trees as you're calling it. I just kept repeating the same fucking patterns over and over again because everything was a band-aid. Like every, you know, shrink or psychologist or anybody I talked to, like, sure, they want to take me back down like the the I'll call it like the bullshit path, but there was never this like path to possibility. It was always just, okay, well, this happened, and yeah, you know, I get it. And and then you just leave. Like it, it didn't get me anywhere as impactful as really being kicked in the dick, like getting hit between the eyes with like, no, like have you considered that because this shit happened when you were young, when you were still forming, like that's just manifesting itself over and over again until you break that cycle. Like what, how, how's that, how's that hit you? So again, when we talk about like the ego and our kind of perceptive reality, everything comes as a baseline of the things that we've experienced, right? So mm-hmm. all of our actions and reactions and responses, they come as again, an action reaction response two things we've experienced in the past. So we repeat patterns, right? Mm-hmm. And you hear this conversation in, in men's coaching a lot, uh, this conversation of, well, we've lost masculinity. We need to man up. You just need to man the fuck up. You need to put your fucking boots on and man up. Like, right? Like this really super aggressive that works sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. Why? Well, if, if your dad was abusive and yelled at you all the time, like, I don't, like you yelling at me to get my shit together is really just reinforcing all the shit that you're trying to undo. It's not useful to me. It's useful to some people who grew up too lax, right? Like, so it's useful for them. It's not necessarily useful for me. So instead of telling me to man up, what you need to do is you need to tell me to go comfort the boy. What does that mean? That means I need to go and I need to figure out when the fuck this actually like started like a breakdown for me. And I need to figure out, okay, what's mine to own in this situation? And not in the sense that like in some sort of victimized situation, like I had a part to play and I own my part. It is my response moving forward. Mm -hmm. What did I allow to own me? What patterns did I pick up? What habits did I pick up as a result of these events happening in my life and recognizing that, hey, they're not real. They're real only because you give them power and you give them precedence over your thought, which lead to the actions that you take in your life. When you can understand, man, your past exists only in the ways that you perceptively try to keep yourself safe. Yeah. If you can remove the power from those events and say, like for you, yeah, my dad was this way and this way and this way. What I failed to realize is his dad was the same with him and he was repeating broken patterns and he was repeating broken patterns. He was repeating broken But today, I realize that I actually, I don't have to repeat those patterns because I'm not the sum of my past experiences. They have shaped me up to this point, but they actually don't own me and they don't dictate where I go from here. I can learn from them. And instead of becoming a, becoming a victim to them, I can become a victor to them. And I can create new 
patterns, responses, and habits that yield a different outcome that is more useful and healthy to me and to my family and to the ways in which I move forward. The problem is you can't push self-awareness on people. And so the only way that that can happen is through self-awareness of realizing, okay, maybe I was a victim 30 years ago, but I'm not a victim now. Mm -hmm. And it's time for me to change that narrative. And it's like being in an abusive relationship. It's not healthy. It's not useful, but you know what it is. It's comfortable. Yeah. It's predictable. And so, so long as I can keep repeating this narrative to myself, it's useful and it's comfortable. And I don't have to confront the me that I am on the other side of a gate that I've never opened before, because at least I know where I am here. It's like the like, like the alcoholic who finally has to confront sober living. Like, I don't want to be an alcoholic. I don't want to drink every night. I, I don't want to feel this way every single day, but I damn sure don't know what's on the other side of that door. And I don't want to go on the other side of that door because I'm afraid of what's on the other side of that door. The only way is to realize that like, and I just made a, a post about this. Like, I, I believe that like hell exists, but exists in what we manifest today. Mm -hmm. The alcoholic lives in his own personal hell. The addict lives in their own personal hell. The person who lives in victimization to their past, things that were done to them, like they live in hell right now. But it is, and it's a gate that's locked, right? There is a padlock on this, this gate, but it's locked on the inside and you are the key. And at any point in time, you can let yourself out, but you have to be ready to confront what's on the other side. Yeah. And everything that you've wanted and desired in this life, I can tell you with certainty is on the other side of that gate. You just have to be aware enough to realize that you are the only one holding you back. And I know you can say that's really easy for you to say, dude, I struggled with drinking excessively towards the end of, of my season in ministry. Mm-hmm. Like before my son was born, I was drinking way too much. I, I was, I was in university working towards like a double masters and trying to show up in the church. And plus I had a kid on the way and like, nobody sits out to say like, dude, I'm just going to drink too much tonight. It's just the stress is too much and that you just need to, to turn it off because you can't turn it off. And then it becomes a problem and you're numbing and you're not confronting what it is that you're trying to run away from. And this happens in so many areas, right? It's why we stay in dead end jobs because we don't know if we really want to go all in on ourselves on the back end. That's why we don't hire a coach because I don't really know if I believe in myself enough to pursue my dreams. It's why we stay in broken relationships. Well, at least it's comfortable and I know what's on this side of the gate. At least they say they love me and nobody's ever said they love me before. So I got to stay here because they love me. Mm -hmm. Bullshit. You're the fucking key. It's not found in some simple prayer. It's not found in like an altar. Like that can be a point, a decision. Hiring a coach can be a point. It can be a decision. Going to counseling can be a point or a decision, but that's not the fucking action. That's just getting up to the fucking gate and unlocking it. You still got to open it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Cody, it's almost like from having this conversation that you have at some point spoken from stage before. It's almost like you've led people before, either from a ministry or that you're leading people now. I mean, that, that was like a sermon we just went through. I love it. Yeah, well, you're I think passionate that's about kind it. of my thing, right? Like, 
everybody has their their thing and i love communicating i love teaching i love having conversations like this mm-hmm. people ask me because i do speak a lot on stages and i do travel and speak and i spoke a lot in the church world and now i speak a lot in the personal development space and the entrepreneurial space people ask me like so like how long does it take you to prepare for for a talk and i'm like i i mean i might write some shit on a napkin but like while i'm like listening to somebody else but so long as i know the audience and so long as i know my purpose there, which is not to sell shit, but just to help like, like people ask me all the time because nothing on what I do sells anything. They're like, how do people know what you do? Like, well, one, they'll just message me. If they, like they know, like what I do is listed on what I do. Yeah. But why don't you ever sell things? Like where, where's your call to action? I'm just like, dude, my call to action is just to move people forward. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. And so, so long as I know where my baseline is and helping people move forward, dude, that's the ROI for me. Right, like that's it. Yeah, absolutely. So, Cody, I got I got to touch base because meditation has changed my life completely. Absolutely. When you were in the church, were you meditating at all? Was it something you're even open to, or what? Like, how did that shift happen? What does meditation look like for you now? Yeah. So, the, so the last church that I served, they were open, like it was a very, very inclusive church and an open church, which was really great. Um, and so, yeah, I, I dabbled in it, but I wasn't. I wasn't super huge into like personal development. I was all into leadership, how to build organizations, how to effectively lead teams and, and dynamic structures, how to press into effective marketing to reach different demographics. Like everything was about building, 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 building because church through, or the, you know, I say the church, just the organization I was a part of for 12 years, we went through a season where everything was super leadership centric. Right. It wasn't discipleship centric. It was leadership, grow big mega church, celebrity platforms. And so that's all we studied, right? Like how do you grow effectively? Like how do you grow the organization? And when I moved to this particular like community, it wasn't on that. And it was more on like the discipleship and on the spiritual practices and on things that bring a, bring about like a certain type of, I wouldn't even call it spiritual awareness, but like connectedness mm-hmm. and meditation was a part of that. But I really didn't dive into like the actual development space and exploring some of these practices that we all kind of adhere to on a daily basis, the reading, the journaling, the meditating, the affirmations, the incantations, the uh, visualization and, you know, mm-hmm. goal setting, fucking vision boards, all these different things, right? That now yeah. are so ingrained in who I am. Uh, that really came on the back end of my time in ministry and pushing into this space and into aligning myself with new leaders and with new people that I found value in their voice in, in the context of like how they shift their lives. And so I started looking at a lot of different people and what created their realities. And I had spent so much time studying other religions, but only to prove mine right. Mm-hmm. So now opening myself up to say, okay, what is useful in these? And so picking different pieces of different faith and say, I find this incredibly useful, right? I find fasting for this reason, incredibly useful. I find meditation for this reason, incredibly useful, right? And so I think for me, the meditation piece came on the back end, mm-hmm. at least in the ways in which I experience it now, which you'd call more of like a Western Buddhist practice, right? Yeah. Uh, that more kind of transcendental trying to rise above your collected consciousness to simply exist and appreciate breath mm-hmm. and to eliminate all thought process. Like that for me, um, came after. Oh, I, I love it. And then you had also made mention about manifestation. Like that's something that, you know, to me is this, I can't call it buzzword. It was a buzzword a couple of years ago. I think it's making a little resurrection. 
I have a, a pretty stark stance on great. So you think something in your mind and like the whole when the secret came out and all that stuff when we were younger, like great. You, you I can't sit here and think about a water bottle and the fucking thing is going to show up on the table. Maybe some people have that power. I don't personally have it, but I can think about a water bottle to the point of like enjoying feeling the water go down my throat. And then that's going to eventually force me into action that I can walk to the refrigerator and get it out. And like where that manifestation, sure, you, you envision again, that's a bad example. We'll take a car. I mean, a car is much better. Like, sure. You, you brought it up to start the episode. Everybody in this space has a Lamborghini, a Ferrari, a bunch of vacation homes. Well, sure. Like to me, the byproduct of speaking on stage and changing a million people's lives is the fact that when I leave and I'm, feeling all that emotion in the time and I happen to open the car door that I can envision the car door goes up versus goes out. And that happens to be Lamborghini, which is the byproduct. And then if that ties into my daily actions for long enough, where that's the mental picture that I'm creating, eventually, if my actions and everybody in my circle, everybody that's supporting me all supports that in their own capacity. Sure. To me, that's manifestation. Eventually that shit's going to come true because Everything I've done for long enough is going to make that. It's it's going to bring it into my field. Like it's going to happen. Yeah. How do you view manifestation? Same thing, dude. So, like I say this all the time. Like this is kind of my go-to for manifestation. Like you want a million dollars, cool. Go sit your happy ass at Starbucks, and just just you know feel it. Feel the money running through your fingers. Visualize it. Align your heart and your head, and just sit there. Just sit there. Keep sitting there. You're going to die in that chair because ain't nobody bringing you a million dollars and ain't just going to fall from the sky. What I believe manifestation is being so ruthlessly and relentlessly committed to the vision that I've aligned my head and my heart to that nothing is going to stop me from executing toward that vision. Mm-hmm. If I can see it in my head, I can hold it in my hand, but that means that I got to take the steps necessary to hold that in my hand, right? I've got to make that vision a reality. Like so many times and so many people are making so much money off this idea of just like, it's the whole like prosperity gospel. It's the believe it and receive it. It's the name it and claim it, right? Like this isn't something that's like new to me. I understand this whole well, but this whole idea of like, we do something for nothing. Nah, nah, man. No, you, you've got to bleed for it. You've got to want it. Like people ask me, do you believe in manifesting? I'm like, yeah, I believe that I'm going to manifest my happy ass up every time I get kicked in the fucking teeth pursuing my dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Like I believe in manifesting that. I believe in manifesting one foot in front of the other, visualizing that and making it happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's that I can buy into. But like the fact that I don't have to do anything like that's some entitled bullshit. Yeah. Like shut up. Absolutely. well and and you touch based on something else to me the western civilization at least the the schools that i came up in the education i've received the very formal education has all been based around being very cerebral like everything Mm -hmm. that we do is a mental exercise almost to the point that like you pre i was preconditioned shut off my heart like that you know spiritual guidance the you know intuition what the heart the part of your soul that actually tells you to do things my entire life up until two or three years ago I was told like that, fuck that thing. Like, don't, don't, that, that's not, that's not helping you at all. You got to get in your head. You got to use your head. Yeah. As I flipped that script and started aligning and using my head to execute what my heart's actual desires are, that's been a whole new shift in, in every way that I interact with every person. Like admittedly Cody, before I would have had you on the show, I would have thought, okay, how, how can I leverage this? How can I get Cody to do something for me? How can I like, just everything, again, the cerebral, you know, cortex of what's going on. Like, what's the benefit for me versus 
And I'm like, I have no idea what the fuck we're going to talk about, but I know you're a cool ass dude and I see your shit online and I think we line up perfectly. So let's just rock and see what happens. And yeah. admittedly, if nobody listens to this episode, if it's the only episode that I have that gets zero listeners, I've had a kick ass time for an hour and a half of just bullshitting with you. Yeah. But it's been a whole different shift. Like how, how prevalent is that in your life? Like you coach an incredible number of people, like you help tens of thousands of people now versus my little entry level practice. Like you said, I'm just going down this path. Like I'll, I'll say from your standpoint, or I think both of our standpoints, something has started to push me and say like, go do this. I enjoy speaking to people. I'm efficient at it. I'm effective at it. I love seeing the shift in people, you know, getting 20, 30, 40 people so far to see the possibility in themselves the same way. I mean, I was a lying, cheating, steroid using broke. Like I've ran the gamut but I don't have any of those things anymore. So I saw the possibility that was greater and just some educating people on the same thing, like finding the pain. It's, it's funny, almost the same. Like, again, we haven't, we're, we're reading the same scripture without knowing we picked up the same book. Totally. Yeah. So what's that, what's that head and heart connection look like for you? Yeah, yeah man. So it's funny. I was talking about this with a client earlier today and this conversation of like, I feel this so strongly in my heart, like it doesn't make full sense right now. So I don't know what to do. And I find that, I mean, we make decisions based on two things, right? Emotion or logic. Mm -hmm. And I found that some of my best decisions were made emotionally and then justified later through logic. A lot of people don't like that. Like they want to know hard facts, numbers, details. And I think there's, there's room for that. And there's, I think there's some definite usefulness for that in certain scenarios. Like there, there are scenarios where like, I want logic, right? Like I don't want emotion. Um, if, if you're resuscitating my daughter or, you know, you're, you're cutting into her, like, I don't want you doing that based on emotion. I want, I want logic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're flying an airplane. I want logic. But in terms of how I guide my life, I want to do things that feel like they align with my spirit. Right. And sometimes that, sometimes that supersedes logical explanation. Right. There, there are times that, and we, like, we don't celebrate this. Like there's no big post about it. Right. Um, like I've been a barber for 14 years and I, I got a lot of hair like of, of kids who can't afford to go get faded up because mm-hmm. they're in the projects of North Tulsa and um, they don't have dads. And like part of the freedom for me and being able to do what I do is to be able to use and invest time in the ways that I, I choose. And so to be able to like, do I make any money from that? Is there any accolades in that? Like, no, but I, I get, I get to just serve. Mm-hmm. And that's still a big component of what I, who I am. And it's always going to be right. Like I was part of starting the breakfast program for the Salvation Army on Sunday mornings here in Tulsa. Like for eight years, I, I woke up at 4.30 in the morning and drove downtown on Sundays to serve breakfast to 350 people. Logically, did it make sense? No, but I just knew it's what I was called to do. I had sleepovers at the church for six years with teenagers and middle schoolers and bust like 70 of them downtown so that they could walk with these, like to prepare breakfast for all of these people and to walk with them, to talk with them and to sit with them, to eat with them. You're no fucking better than anyone. We're going to do this together. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're not beneath us. You are with us. And, and I'm going to cut your hair. And if you like, we're going to do job training and do all these things. Logically, does it make sense? No. So I think there are times when like the, but when emotionally it made so much sense in my heart, well, logically I caught up and said, no, this does make sense because this is who you are. And this is what you do. And this is never going to leave you. And 
I think the beauty about stepping into this alignment of head and heart is you remove the idea that you have to give yourself permission to be a certain way or to feel a certain way or to do certain things right now we can, I, I'll argue myself in that. Like there are things that are not useful or harmful, mm-hmm. right? Like I have an older brother who is, who <laughs> spends most of his time under a bridge and it's also because he's a heroin addict. Um, so I, I want to say that they're like, there are ways in which we align that are not useful and not healthy at all. Um, but when they can be and when they are, well, now we have this beautiful expression where we get to live in this incredible balance of, of doing the things that we love that will benefit us in some way, but will also radically benefit others. And that's kind of like the head says, I want to benefit myself. And the heart, hopefully, says, I want to benefit others, right? Like, yeah. I want to benefit myself. I want to benefit others. Head, self, heart, others. So where the, when those two can like reach a point of like dancing together, I think that's where the magic is. And that's where I try to help people live is in that state of like just being so radically grateful. I work with a lot of people who like, I do not work with people who make it like just a shit ton of money, mm-hmm. like just so much like eight figures a year, but are just so unhappy. Yeah. Because they chase the thing in and of itself. And I work with people who have to legitimately, like I did, go down to their last dollar to invest with me. And like, so a lot of people are like, so a lot of it is like group coaching, things to like that, which is a very, very low ticket item. And then I do one-to-one coaching, which is a high, what you call a high ticket item. Mm-hmm. And I don't, if I vibe with you and I can believe what you're trying to do and where you're trying to go and we can make the finances work. Like I don't have this precursor of like, well, you have to make a certain amount of money to be able to work with me. Like I just don't do that because I find that the people who really, really scrape by to get it together, to push in, like they have the most massive results, right? Like I had a client this morning who is like, he was in tears because we've been working together for a month and he's like, dude, like, it fine. It's clicked. I get it. I get what being here now means. And like, I know I don't make as much as some of the other people. Like, I'm like, I don't care. He's like, like I'm able to get along with my co-parent now because I don't have anything to prove. And like, I can remember just a month ago being so depressed. Like, honestly, like, dude, I, I was thinking about like just what it would be like to kill myself. And now I'm happy. I'm down X pounds. Like I'm working out every day. I'm doing meditations. I'm doing the daily efforts. I just read the power of now that you sent me and it's changed my life. And I'm a better dad and I'm a better co-parent and I'm a better man. And it's like, it's like, and I, I realize now what you were trying to say by getting out of my own way and stop trying to serve myself, even though I wasn't aware that I was. Mm-hmm. and stop protecting. So that's a very long-winded answer to say that I think that when we can get the head and the heart to collaborate and connect, I think that's where the real magic happens. Absolutely. And, and, and Cody, inevitably, I know some of you listening right now, your head is confused because your heart is telling you to reach out to Cody. Like just the nature of who he is and the message that he's sharing is truly who he is, what he's supposed to be doing. Like this isn't some sort of script like we're looking at each other on a zoom call and it's connecting with some of you and so i'm going to implore you if it's you that it's connecting to press pause on this reach out to cody jefferson reach out to embracealion.org take some sort of action immaterial of how much money you have it doesn't matter the level of income you're producing now 
I don't care if you're making seven figures, you're capable of making eight. I don't care if you're making four, you're capable of making five. Like absolutely. If, if, if the shift is there and you hear it and you feel it in your soul, take action on it. Like don't listen to your head because it, it's going to talk you out of it. Like coaching admitted, like I'm, I'm six figures deep into coaching, like me paying people to coach me. Like this is not some shit that I'm saying like, Oh fuck it. Like this, you know, you don't have to do what I like. I'm not doing it. Like, no, fuck that. Like I'm, I'm all in and invest. And every time I go to pull out my credit card, like from the first time where I pull out the first five grand and not dissimilar to Cody where I'm down, like, I think I had eight grand left in my name and five of it, I paid a coach and I'm like, fuck, this doesn't make, this doesn't make any sense at all. Like my fucking mortgage, not like my expense structure is more than an extra three grand. Like I'm fucked right now, but some like I listened to my heart and it completely created this shift. And again, you, if you've listened a long time, you know, Garrett J white was the guy that created that shift in me. Like I always give him credit. Like I'm always an advocate of wake up warrior and what that did for me. Massive respect for, for Garrett and the platform that he's built. I think it's, I've, I've known so many men who've walked through that program yeah. and have found so much usefulness to it. And I, yeah, I think, I mean, he's, yeah, I think he's doing incredible work. But in some of that, like his message and how he speaks and the things that like, it's, it's crazy. You, myself, Brandon, Garrett, like, I don't care the number of people that all again are reading out of the same version of a book, not dissimilar to the Bible that we discussed. You as a listener, if it's touching you, it doesn't matter. Like, that it's me or that it's Cody or that it's Garrett or go look up Brandon James Duncan. Like it doesn't matter who the guy is. What matters is a shift that hap- that happens in you. Like all of us want that shit. Like sure. Money ends up being a byproduct and it's a cool byproduct. Like I used to have this fucked up story that like, I don't really care about money and we'll figure it out. And no money matters. Like if, wh- wh- oh, the- bro, I like just to, just to hijack you for a second. Yeah. Like I, when people tell me that, my initial reaction is one who who told you money was bad mm-hmm. right? and who told you money was a thing that controlled anything like controlled you or controlled how you are like it, it's a magnifier it'll make you more of what you are you are like you're an asshole it's just gonna make you an asshole with more money yep. right but for me i'm able to do more things i'm able to help more people i'm able to serve in a higher capacity and like what we have to understand is like i want to make dude i want to make them like the i want to make more money than i can imagine why well, one, because it means that I'm helping more people than I can imagine. Because the only way that we can communicate to somebody that what they're doing, like the product, service, or offer that they have is valuable is, is a transaction of money. It's what we communicate value through that. It's the mechanism. And so for you to communicate, hey, I value this X amount and here is what I have, which is money, to communicate that what you have is valuable, well, then I, I, I want to create that kind of experience where I am generating more and more income on a daily basis. Now that's not to say because I want to keep it. Like there's only so much money one person needs, right? So for me, it's how can I be charitable with this? How can I help others with this? How, how can I, how can I create experiences for my family? Right? Not like buying them shit, right? Like, dude, we live so below our means. Why? Because I just, I don't need like really fancy shit, right? Like, dude, yeah. my main driver, like the car I love the most is an 89 Bronco 2 that I restored. Why? Because I've been a licensed mechanic for 17 years and I love wrenching on cars and wrenching on Harleys. This is what I do. So where I'm from in small town, Oklahoma, you drive a Lambo, people don't laugh at you like, dude, who's this guy? But you drive like a, you know, a cool Bronco with four inch lift that you can't find anymore that has, you know, 15s and 38s on the 15s. Nobody even understands what this means probably, but like, it's amazing. 
right? So it's not about the money. The money is just a byproduct of simply trying to add value and to make a difference, right? And to listeners, like, I'll tell you this. I get a lot of messages every day, especially when I make posts about addiction or helping walk people through. In 2016, I walked 128 people into intake that I didn't know just from posts. Like they just asked me if I'd meet them and I met them and I walked them into intake and I sat with them. And that's not a bragging statement. That's to say that like people are just wanting people to care. Mm-hmm. If you're walking through something, like I, like I don't have shit to sell you right? Like you want to explore that conversation? Cool. But that's not why I'm here. If, dude, if you need support, if you seem to like, like tell someone something, dude, message me. I will like, I, no team is going to message you back. Like I will message you back. I'll create a conversation. Like I got phone calls every single day with people that I don't know who just like, I resonate with their story. I'm like, dude, let's get on 15 minutes. And they're like, wait, like for real, like you, like not like you're going to get on a call. I'm like, dude, I put my pants on the same way that you do. Like I have kids who yell at me and are disrespectful, just the same as you. I get in arguments with my wife the same way you do. Like let's stop putting people on pedestals and putting lifestyles on these like weird pedestals of like social perceived perfection. And like, if I can serve you in some way, come on, man. Like let's not let pride or arrogance or fear dictate where a conversation might lead. Yeah. And it, I mean, there's just no better way to say it than that. Like it's so, it's so crazy to me it, and you on a much larger scale, but I've taken great pride in with the success of this podcast, every email, every direct message, every text message, like it's me responding and I'm true. Every one of them, like I'm humbled and I'm honored and I'm grateful that you sought me out. Like you thought something that I said had enough value that you wanted to say, thank you or ask me a question. Like until, until the equation breaks, until I'm so world known that I physically can't respond to a thousand people a minute. It's always going to be me. Yeah. Like, and just like you, like so far I've not tried to upsell or sell any one person, any one time, any dollar amount of anything. Like, no, same thing. I don't have a buy button anywhere on my website. I have asked, asked for more information. I say it this way. Like your money isn't worth my integrity. No, your money is not worth my soul either. Like I'm more interested in creating a conversation, not where you necessarily buy something or invest with me at the end of a conversation. I want you to say, wow, that was one of the most impactful conversations. And you know what, when he dies, I'm going to go to his funeral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, my, my grandfather didn't have a social media account. My grandfather passed away in 2013 and he was the the deacon of the Baptist church. He was the guy who was always at the hospital visiting people. He knew everyone's name. Like kids were just drawn to him like a magnet. I was just an amazing human being because he just, he, he dude, he was up at like four 30 every morning. He poured his own cup first. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then he was able to pour out all that. He, dude, he loved my grant. Like they're old. Like they were in there. Like he was uh, in his early eighties when he passed away. Like up until he passed, he was like, he was grab, grabbing my grandma's butt, kissing her neck. Like he just loved her, turned her bed down every single night. He slept in a different room because he snored so loud. Yeah. Like, and when he died and I helped to lead his funeral, it was standing room. Like it was full. And it wasn't because everybody knew him or because he had some cool anything. It was just because he gave a shit and he loved people. And he loved people past where they were. And like, that that's it for me, man. Like, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Cody, on that note, I can't come up with a better way to end 
Like this is one of those shows where like literally it, it's six it's six o'clock Eastern time. I would just rock for another two or three hours. But I know you have other things to do as as do I as do the listeners. Like this is it's just one of those things. I've got to go to a dad meeting tonight for my girls' elementary school. Yeah, they have this watchdog thing, so I've got to go and help to kind of facilitate some dads and being better dads and like taking care of our school. Good stuff. <laughs> so that's man. what I got going on tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I, I get to go to sparring practice and boxing and, and get my teeth punched in for a while. So that's always fun. Well, I mean, both have their charm, right? <laughs> <laughs> they both do. Are but, useful. But, but something tells me, Cody, this is only interview one of some sort of infinite number of times we're going to communicate together. I, I sincerely appreciate your energy, your time, brother. Like this is massively impactful and just so much fun for me. Thank you so much. And hey, man, uh, back to you. Ever since we initially connected, there was just something really kindred about uh, you and I and our relationship. And I just have a, just a massive appreciation. Like you are the exact same off of this podcast as you are on this podcast. Um, like it's it's a true like no no bullshit. Like it's a, it's an honor to know you. Yeah. And I think as men, we don't say this enough. Um, and, and, you know, I, I said it to Tommy the other day and I say it to men who I really like just genuinely can look you in the eye and say, dude, I'm, I'm really, really proud of who you are and I'm proud of where you've come and I'm proud of the man that you're becoming. I'm uh, proud of you. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. And on that note, I'll end the show like I always do that if you take any nuggets of wisdom that Cody's instilled upon you and you apply them to your life for long enough, you'll find out that every day you're able to get shit done.